welcome to this week's episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with both my co-hosts. How are you guys doing? I'm still recovering from uh, from last night's you know late dramatics, but uh, you know, great to be here with you guys. We got something to celebrate today. What an incredible match last night! It was a great atmosphere, uh, great time, and uh, just. Keep riding the high. Keep on riding the high. It's it's one of those all-time great regular season matches that you're going to remember for a long time. I think even more than like a 5-0 dollar beer night blowout, this one ranks up there with probably like the OKC last-minute winner that I missed. Um, oh gosh, what were some other awesome regular season matches? Um the San well four nil San Antonio last year was fun because we just put a bow whooping on them and we needed that. The Tulsa four three the very first dollar beer night that was a classic. The, the Tulsa four three that's the one. Uh, there was another one where uh, Sean Wright the, Phillips the OKC uh, nut, killer nutmeg, yeah yeah, yeah. The Sean OKC Wright killer, killer. That that's, was that's what match. I was talking about. And then the four three against Los Dos last year too. Yeah yeah that uh, wow. But this is right up there with those. I mean, you're talking about an instant classic, you know, one of those games that will stand out when you look back at the season. This is going to be one of those three or four, you know, that just shows the heart, the resiliency of this team. You know, Real Monarchs maybe, but this one, especially with the late dramatics and Dia of all people with the tying and winning goals. I mean, that's just legendary shit. Yeah, and in, I mean, a one-versus-two one matchup, you know, in the top two teams in the West. Um, I mean, just, as you said, unreal. Aaron, anything to add before we dive in? We're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we got a lot to go through um, and uh, in, in a relatively short amount of time. And uh, so let's get rocking, really. Um, here, when we're talking about our lineup, we have... Uh, our solid, same old solid lineup. Unfortunately, we don't have Joey Farrell uh, due to uh, his double yellow card match uh, in, in the last game. So he's on a one-game suspension. So instead, we put put in and rotate our third center back, Duigi Mala, uh, to be able to come into this match. Uh, this, however, is the first time that we see Mala coming in for Farrell. So... Uh, I'd have to look back to see how many times Mala has played with Cochran. I think maybe one match at the beginning of the season, uh, but that was the only small piece of concern that I would have had, is that Mala typically works with Farrell, um, as, as AJ Cochran was out injured for a little while. Uh, did you guys have any, any thoughts on the, on the lineup here? Also on the, on the bench is uh, Wazinski, Bjornthan, Ledbetter, uh, Will Arm, um, um, Yunu, those the the three FC Tucson guys. Colin Fernandez, uh, Howell made it back onto the uh, the the unknown quantity that is Howell made it up into the substitute list, as well as Ben Spencer. And really, that's the only thing that stands out to me. I mean, we've been rocking and rolling with this starting eleven. I mean, the only difference being uh, Farrell out with the red card, so Mala steps in. But otherwise, this is our our pretty standard lineup with. Kavon and Fleming's out. Um, so really not much to talk about there. You knew it was going to happen now that they had a full week to prepare. But yeah, Howell gets back on. 
So both times where we've had home matches, he's been on the substitute list, but he did not travel for that road trip. So I, I don't know if he's going to be... I think he's actually going down to FC Tucson. I think he's got one of those two-way deals. Because I thought I saw that announced. Yeah, it w that was announced um, on the Rising page. So yeah, I think he will be... You know, when we have matches, he'll probably come up to Phoenix to sit on the bench, but uh, we'll see if he gets any time. But I think that's I think that's all we got with the starting lineup. Um, I mean, uh, up on top of the area, so, uh, yeah, quite a quite a few FC Tucson guys to watch their their teammates play at the SLC level. So I mean, let's get into this because. Right away, we have golden chances in the first 10 minutes of this match. I mean, five minutes in, Adam John gets on the end of a header. I wasn't even in my seat yet, um, but I was waiting while my friend was getting a drink and just on the far side of the field, gets up there, bangs it, looks like it's going in, and it just bounces hard off the grass up off that crossbar. Yeah, it all starts at the start from the back. Uh, so that's that's a Peter respect right there. Uh, Mala sends the ball up for John, kind of in the middle of no man's land. Um, as we've discussed before, some of these uh, these plays from the back, long balls from the back, and you're like, what are they doing? And then something comes of it. Uh, John is able to uh, pull it down, control it, puts it out to the left for Kalistri. Kalistri sees the whole thing. If you watch the replay, you see his eyeballs locking on John. He knows exactly where he's going with the ball. Places a beautiful cross up for John. John, unfortunately, uh, hits the ball at a bit of a downward angle. It bounces up off the crossbar. But at this point, we're in for something special. Right, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was a great early opportunity. And, you know, unfortunate not to score there. But as you said, we uh, we knew what to expect coming, coming forward in the match. It was, you know, very exciting to have something so close early on. And uh, five minutes later, we have uh, Asante bringing the ball up on the right-hand side. Put looks like he's going to push push the ball for uh, for a through pass, maybe up to up to John. Instead, curves a curves a beautiful pass all the way across for for uh, Kalistri. Uh and Kalistri has pretty much an open shot that misses far post. Uh, I'm. He, and he is about as disappointed as you can be, uh, as well as you guys were, I'm sure, in the supporter se section, right, Dom? Oh, definitely. I mean, the thing that we, that uh, Kyle and I were talking about during this match is this is the first match during the Gold Cup where we really felt Fleming's absence because I think Kalistri had two or three chances in this match where Fleming's would have put them in or at least forced the keeper to make a good save because you have this chance where there's a lot of space in the right side of the net just pushes it wide there were a couple others where he just couldn't get on the end of balls he wasn't making the runs the far post runs that Flemings usually does make um, so we definitely felt Junior's absence but this should be the last game we play without him now that we have a bye week coming up and then uh, an another non-goal play but one of these that uh, as, as we were talking and reviewing before we started recording that just utterly blew my mind. Uh, late in the in the 13th minute, we uh, Mala plays the ball up to Asante. Uh, Asante, instead of controlling it, dummies it, uh, kind of like a, um, uh, a backheel dummy, uh, 
to to a running Mustafa who's running up the line. Mustafa immediately plays it back to Asante, and Mustafa keeps moving, and Asante plays plays it in between the two uh, two right side defenders for T two. Uh, Mustafa picks up the ball right about at the top of the 18, crosses it over to Kalistri, uh, to a diving Kalistri who decides to use his head at this point, um, and, and Kalistri plays it in the right in in the correct spot. He plays it to the back post um, in diving, and somehow the keeper makes it all the way from the left hand side to the right hand side to save the ball. Uh, a really great save, but I mean this this would have been just a textbook play that you would have wanted to show everybody about why soccer is a, is the beautiful game. Uh, Kyle, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it was, it was a beautiful um, opportunity on goal. Didn't, you know, end up being a goal that we all wanted it to be, but I mean, it just absolutely amazing one, two in chemistry that we see between Asante and Dumbuya and then Kalistri I mean it, we all said it It was a great header you know we all liked the idea but T2's keeper was just able to dive and make that save and he had quite a few good saves I thought last night he really was you know on form yeah he was he was the biggest reason that Timbers wasn't down by a couple goals within the first 30 minutes um, ridiculous that he makes that save and uh there's another one that he didn't even know that much about a few minutes later, if we want to fast forward to that. Yeah, go ahead and take us there. Sure. So now we're in the 19th minute, and I don't I don't remember the exact buildup on this play. I can definitely go back and check it out. So Becaro's uh, taking the ball up the left-hand side um, and uh, puts the ball over to uh, Solomon Asante, um, oh, yeah, but it goes through the entire T2 defense and half of the Phoenix Rising uh, front line. I, mean, I I don't know how he saw what he saw, but Becaro was able to make this ball basically from the left-hand line all the way to Solomon Asante on the right, right side post. Um, Asante, I don't know if he he was surprised <laughs> that, it, that the ball made it all the way through or not. Um, but it was one of these that we saw very early in the season when uh, Asante would be making that, that right post run and one-time it straight to the keeper. Um, now, the keeper was on the left-hand side of the goal. The right-hand side of the goal was totally open. So you know that, a, that the ball just came off of Asante's foot in a way that he wasn't expecting or didn't want it to. Um it goes right into the chest of the keeper, uh, bounces off of the keeper, back to Asante's foot, and Asante just can't eke it back into the, the uh, eke it into the goal there. I mean, it was <laughs> uh, we. I was on the actual end line, so I had no depth percep depth perception uh, about where the ball was going um, in terms of where in the net it was going, but we couldn't believe. Yeah, I mean, seen, it, it looked it, it looked like one of those where there's a magnet on the goalie. I mean, that's the only thing that that's it. That's you can a perfect explain. Way to describe it. And it was just like stupefying. Like that was such an amazing ball by Bacaro. You know, deserved to have an assist on the end of that. And uh, and then the ball still bounces right back to Asante. I mean, we've gotten lucky a couple times where it'll go off the keeper and still get in the net. 
especially last year. But this time, I'm like, so when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, that's going to be a goal. I'm like, wait, what? As it's going right to the keeper, and it bounces off him, like, but that's going to go in for sure, right? Like, he hit that hard. And then I see him whiff on it, and the ball isn't hitting the net. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is just crazy. Um, especially and this with is the just other like chances. The, this is like, again, the curse of, of the rookie keeper. So um, the, this keeper's name is, I, I can't say his first name, but it's uh, Ivacic. Uh, I think it's... Uh, 25, 25 years old. Um, he has three, this is his third match at the USL uh, championship level. That's it. I mean, the, he's barely played. He actually did play in one MLS game, uh, Portland Montreal. Oh no, I'm sorry. He was on the match day squad. He didn't even play. So this is only his third match all season long. Yeah, he didn't look like that. But um, crazy. I mean, it's just it, this reminded me of some of our early, and the one that stands out to me the most is that Colorado Springs match, where we were just consistently knocking on the door, and it seemed like there was a hex so that we just could not put the ball in. However, in the 32nd minute, we get a lifeline, um, and it's set up by Dumboya getting in the box um, and just a ridiculous, ridiculous foul um, by Timbers 2 to set up a penalty kick for Solomon Asante. Um, I mean, Nathan Smith just completely out of control, uh, ramming into Dumboya there. And do you think was he able to see him at all? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the guy's quick, and and the defender's tracking back. Um, I don't. It know. wasn't intentional. I don't think he just. But it's clear as day. Like that's ridiculous. So oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, Asante gets up there, and man, you talk about this keeper. He guessed the right way, and he almost saved it. Asante puts it in, but it just goes over his palms. I mean, that could have easily been saved. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the one thing that, you know, Asante, you know, took it with pace and, you know, good placement. But Ivacic was right there, and, and we talked about it. He gets his arm up, and I think he makes that save. But, you know, it doesn't happen, and we're up 1-0, and that's really all that matters. And we're thinking at this point, like, nice, we're finally ahead. We got this goal. We can ride this into halftime, maybe score a second one. This is perfect. Aaron, did you have something to add? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, uh, I was going to look this up really quick, but this is Asante's now one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, uh, seventh match in a row with a goal. Uh, that is a, uh, I believe I saw, that is a USL championship record uh, previously held by um, Dane Kelly, actually. So uh, uh, Asante now making making his way in, into the USL Championship uh, record books with that with that uh, penalty kick. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's I saw that too, and it, yeah, it's just I mean so great. You know, this guy's earned every single record that he's broken, and you know I think it's for him. It's just going to continue. His his season's just been off the charts right now. Definitely. Um, unfortunately, Timbers 2 comes back at us, and it doesn't take long. And 
it's all set up by a long ball that Zach Lubin should have handled better. Instead, he comes out, he chests the ball, but he chests it right to Timbers too, and that allows them to get a couple passes. Um, ultimately, a shot is blocked by Amadou Dia with his hand. I think the ref just played the advantage because the ball ended up bouncing right to Christian Ojeda, and he put it right in the back of the net. 1-1. You know, a tough break, but it's it's unusual to see Zach Lubin make a mistake like that. He really should have done better there. Did I mean, do you think did, did he really need to come out that far cuz he came out almost almost at the top of top of the, the circle there. Uh and when I saw the replay I'm like, what is he doing? It's like in the middle of nowhere. I don't mind a keeper coming out. I think sometimes it's good to be an aggressive keeper. But then you got to make a better play on the ball than that. If 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 you're coming out, you know, unless you're Neuer or Neuer, just boot that ball to Kingdom Come. Just slam that ball high in the air, or you know, like kick it out of bounds. Anything but leaving the ball in the middle of the pitch when you're 25 yards out of the goal. Well, and to be fair, he was able to make it all the way back. Um, uh, you know, th- there's and and get into position. Really, the ultimate issue is that it went back straight back into T2's hands, and Dia and Cochran, uh, b- both of their momentum took them out of the play uh, to to allow the T2 player to score that goal. Well, yes. But everything was started, like the whole situation could have been avoided if Lubin just handled that correctly. And I don't well, that's think that's true. But and really, I don't think he really. To... Ultimately, it's the ref. It's the referee's fault for blowing the whistle because if he had never started the game, then it never would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Man, can't yeah. argue with that. Uh, yep. No. <laughs> uh, you know, you were you were saying uh, um, it's like. Um, um, I forget which keeper you just say, and I, w- I was thinking, you know, he should have been more like Rene Igu- uh, Higuerta uh, and just, you know, dribbled the ball all the way uh, and taken a shot from, you know, halfway mark or something. That's the Colombian goalkeeper who's oh, the guy that, for the guy that did the scorpion. The guy yeah. with the crazy hair. Yeah. Yep. He's a man. <laughs> scorpion kick, not spider kick. Scorpion kick. Yeah. Um,. So that's a big bummer to give that goal up, but you know, well taken by Timbers. So we go in at halftime at one-one. No extremely noteworthy chances for either side before halftime, and we're thinking, all right, we still got a lot of time left. We can still get this win. And then right at the start of the second half, Timbers two scores a goal, and this one we might have different opinions on. I think the whole thing should have been blown back because Mala got shoved in the back by Foster Langsdorf. The referee doesn't call it, and Timbers is allowed to go forward with the numbers advantage. Um, Langsdorf takes it all the way up the field, gets a shot blocked by Cochran, but the rebound uh, bounces very favorably for them, and Brian Hurtado puts it in. Yeah, and and the initial the initial play really happened right in. Uh, I, I happened to be walking up the sideline there. The initial part of that play happened right in front of me. 
Um, I saw you know, Mull is tremendously out of position. He moves over to the sideline, I think, because Dumbuya had pushed up. Um, now, as much as I like Mala in a center back position, I don't like him on the sideline. He just doesn't have the speed. Um, he doesn't have the ball control. Uh, and I almost yelled to him, like, kick it out of bounds. Uh, I really feel like I should have. So, you know, you can blame the goal on me. Uh, but he he did get pushed. He did, You know, he, he had the ball at his feet. The guy shoves him so that he now is ahead of the ball and, and takes it and... and and uh, the the whole rest of the play plays out with a with a huge numbers advantage for T two, um, but to me I th- I think that's on Mala for for uh, um, for just really not playing the ball well. Kyle, where do you stand on this? Because I I understand he's oh. out of position. I understand that he could have kicked the ball out, but you would rather not concede possession if you can earn a foul. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, but the only thing I will say is 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 Mala positive that he's going to get fouled in that situation. The safe play would have been just to play it out. Um, so, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I definitely think it is a foul. You know, it's, you know, not wise by the ref to hold his whistle there. It's, you know, clear as day that Mala gets run into in the back by Langsdorf. But, you know, I, I do see what Aaron is saying is that Mala, you know, being out of position, he just needs to get that ball out and get back to you know the center back position where he should be. But I think it's just a sequence of unfortunate plays. You know, really, two bad things happen at that point. You know, the foul's not called and Mala is out of position, so he just gets gassed. Um, I mean, it, it really was a bummer, especially because you know at that point we're down two one. So when you have it go against you, you know the foul and the goal, it's just like it's such a hard pill to swallow. So and and I have it up right now, you know, and the and where I'm look where I'm seeing it here, Amala was expecting contact. He actually put his shoulder down uh, to expect that contact, and and he just just really just flat out got beat. Um, I will say also that there was a uh, uh, a second handball from us, you know, or potential handball in the in the box there on the initial T two T two shot. Um, it went off of um, uh, Kalistri's hands, uh, not Kalistri, uh, Cochran's hands. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's another one of those that it could have, um, uh, you know, could have and could have been a continuation, kind of like what you were saying for the first goal earlier, Dom. Uh, but you know, I, I think that that's a possibility too. I mean, it ends up not mattering because they score both those chances. I mean, you can't you can't complain about the officiating by continuing the play when there is an advantage to be had. Absolutely. But it stinks uh, for us. Uh, Matthew Thompson is the referee, so if you want to send him hate mail, go for it. Um, but you know, it's a call that annoys me a little bit more than it actually annoys me a little more than the second yellow that Farrell got last week. I can also see why it wouldn't be called. Maybe from the ref's angle, he didn't see that Langsdorf had his arm extended, and then it looked like incidental contact where Mala was just going down. Because I think if Langsdorf doesn't put his arm up there, then there's more of an argument to say, okay, Mala was just trying to draw the foul. But Langsdorf had his arm out, 
and I think you got to call that, you know, unnatural position. Doesn't matter. We're down 2-1, and holy smokes, now this is really starting to feel like the beginning of the season. What are your guys' thoughts here? Frankly, at this point, I'm I'm a little bit concerned. I, uh, you know, I know this is a this is a T2 squad that has a tremendous amount of rotation. Again, we're we're dealing with a, a keeper who we don't have a lot of tape on. Uh, they have some of their MLS players uh, who are on the squad, uh, um, and have we got how to play from behind? Uh, we have. Uh, I, I'm going to take a look at it some of our match log, but I don't know the last time that we were um, that we were behind. Um, Salt Lake when we were down in So it's been a little more than a month since we even had a few minutes of being behind. Yeah. Yeah, not since the 32 minute mark of that match have we been behind. Um Thankfully, we weren't behind too long because we start picking up the pace again. Timbers 2 picks up a yellow card. And then, 61st minute, Amadou Dia makes this goal happen. Um, It's incredibly generous that they officially credited AJ Cochran with an assist here because Dia took on two defenders. um, First, plays the ball in space to get past one defender. And then, I don't know what he did to get around that second defender. Just such a delicate touch. And then, um, Clay... He I, played I, the ball to the left, and then he went right and met met the met up with the ball. Yeah, Clay... I mean, Clay uh, this, this is balls of steel, the, like, striker-type play from Dia, who's a left back. I mean, just unbelievable. And Clay Munson said, did he just phase through the guy? Like uh, like in video games. Like, that's kind of what it looked like. He just, like, wait, that defender was in front of him. What? <laughs> and he got Oh, my God. You, here, and, then Meg's, how, and then Meg's the keeper to top it off. Here's how you can tell I'm a dad. What I was thinking when you said that was, was uh, Wreck-It Ralph and Princess Penelope who glitches and goes through walls. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that's what... I think that might be what Clay was talking about, too. Yeah, absolutely. She, he just glitched. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's incredible. I mean, watch it not even be nominated for Gold of Week, but because they love bangers more than, you know, like the individual skill. But, I mean, that's an absurd run. He was more than 30 yards out to get ultimately through three defenders like that i i could watch it all day all night and then he makes the keeper i mean that's so filthy that is so and and it's an amazing weapon to have because this isn't the first time diaz made things happen in the box i mean he was able to earn a soft penalty against new mexico but he's a real threat defenders have to watch out for And and good on him because that's um, let's see. That is his. Oh, it's his fourth goal of the season. No, no, no. That's his. That was his first goal of the season. Um, and he and he didn't score the entirety of the 2018 season. So 
he had two goals in 17 uh, with Phoenix Rising. He was uh, had a, put up a zero in 18, and then he's able to catch two goals in this match. Uh, so Dia was feeling real good after the game. There was lots of smiles by him, and he's got a great smile. As a photographer, uh, he he just has a great smile and a great look to him. I mean, that's got to be one of those days you dream of as a defender, too. I'm sure Peter Ramage is, you know, living vicariously through Dia getting a brace um, and scoring a goal like that. Uh, and I'm sure that Dia is going to give Ramage some crap about it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and, that'll be a fun there w- training session. There wasn't a guy uh, that I saw that was more excited for Dia than Cody Wakasa. Uh, Wakasa was at the match, and he was like, that's my guy, that's my guy, that's my guy. Like, he was so stoked for him. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, in- incredible. One of the great regular season goals that I've ever seen our club have. Unfortunately, we're still tied. You know, that goal didn't count double, so we're still 2-2. We still have less than 30 minutes to really finish this off. And, you know, there are some chances, but Timbers 2 did a very good job being compact those last 30 minutes. It seemed like they always had seven, eight guys behind the ball, and we were attacking with five. You know, the numbers they had back there were super impressive. They had a very good shape. We weren't able to get out in open space at all. Um, So not really too many chances. I mean, the occasional, you know, header, but... You know, mostly offsides. The occasional shot we, being We had saved. a couple crossing opportunities that looked like they could have been shots, and that that our guys were playing unselfishly. That that's one of the things that I was going to ask you. Did you notice that that, that it seems like you know we're, we are playing fairly unselfishly, and we are trying to make those connections. But there seem to be a couple opportunities where they could really be. Uh, pulling up and trying to put some laces through the ball. Um, and, and I didn't feel like, especially in the last 30 minutes, that we were taking those those opportunities. Is that something you felt or thought about even? Kyle, take this one because I have an opinion. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember exactly what minute it was, but there's one opportunity where John gets the ball and just doesn't shoot it immediately. And I think if he does take it, you know, the keeper is either forced to make a save or it ends up in the net um yeah i mean it it does seem like you know we're trying to make that extra pass um and i mean you know it's it's worked for a lot that's been a lot of what we've been doing is just out passing teams and just you know out maneuvering them but it seemed like at that point somebody just you know needed the stones to step up and take the ball and put it in the back of the net and that's a great opportunity to bring up we had 473 passes uh compared to only 318 of Portland Timbers. So again, continue to see this possession style uh, style ball develop. I just wanted to add one last thing too. We talked about it earlier in the show, but there were a couple times where Asante had great through balls and there just wasn't anyone making a back post run. Most of the time, in those last 30 minutes in particular. And it was before he got subbed off, Kalistri, but then even after Ben Spencer came on, he wasn't on the back post. And I think we were trying to play the same style where we're going to put those balls in and Flemings is going to be there to score those. Flemings wasn't there. We didn't have anyone making those runs. And so it just looked super frustrating. Like, why aren't we doing something? Well, Asante's trying to do something. 
we just didn't have people in the right spots. Well, and, and in the case that Kyle brought up uh, a second ago, so was John. Um, he, he used a goofy, you know, kind of a goofy foot to cross the ball, and there was nobody there. And I don't know if that's on Kalistri or, you know, it's late in the match. It was it was huh. hot, although, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's the hottest match that they've had all season long. It's been a terribly hot day, day the entire day. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I, it is. I mean, I mean, I think we all, you know, have definitely observed it, and it's probably you know, true that those players are used to, you know, playing those balls to the back post. And Flemo, it seems like, is always there. So, you know, this is one of those nights where Kalistri, unfortunately, wasn't able to, you know, fill that role completely. But I still think he did have some looks. I mean, I think early on, you know, his opportunities gave us a lot of motivation to keep going. So it was unfortunate, but we also brought up that, you know, we shouldn't have to play another match without Flemings or Lambert. So uh, it'll be good to have them back in the fold. Well, a little birdie told me some potential news about Lambert. Um, so I don't know if you want to hear that now or if you want to save that um, uh, for a, f- a few more minutes when we go over player news. Let's just tantalize the audience and make them wait. Oh, that's that's good. I like that. <laughs> Keep I mean, them in suspense. I'm in an evil mood right now, and free agency is a few hours away for basketball, so we're just waiting. We're playing that waiting game. Um, hopefully, by the time you're listening, D'Angelo Russell is a son. Uh, but that's all I got for now. We get to stoppage time after Timbers has some real theatrics. Guys going down, taking their sweet sweet time. Um, I think the first one actually did get subbed off. Um, Roy Miller did get subbed off in the early 80s. And then Farfan in stoppage time goes down with cramps. And that's some straight BS. Everyone knew it. But he gets up. They continue. And this is when we're deep into stoppage time. And I was I was saying it off air. I think if Dia misses this header and it goes out for a goal kick the referee probably blows the whistle on that goal kick because the, the clock was already at 93.30. Refs are usually really bad about considering the extra time when guys go down after the 90 minutes. And you know the Timbers are going to delay for that goal kick. They The keeper won't kick it until it's 94-something. I just felt like that was our last chance. And thankfully, Asante puts a great ball in. Of course he does. And Dia gets up there. And just wills this team to victory with a great header near post. What are you guys' emotions when that ball hits the net? Yeah, just ecstasy. I mean, it it, it was unreal. Um, I mentioned off the pod that I was up at the north end under the north scoreboard. Um, My girlfriend and I were just in the team shop. And, you know, I I wanted to see how this match played out. Because I, like you, you know, had a feeling that there, there could be something there. And... I mean, just unreal. I mean, you so see Asante you make that cross. So why section? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you see Asante <laughs> make that cross, and oh, it just seemed like that ball floated for so long, and then Dia gets up, and just a great header from Dia. We talked about it, you know, hadn't scored in a while, but seems like he was right on point there and was just waiting for that ball, and I mean, just insane scenes at that point. Yeah, and uh, on the sideline, we Nick Tapia or I'm not Nick Tapia, Nick Piria, another photographer, was saying, "Hey, Aaron, do you think that we can pull this out?" And I'm like, "Dude, 
you know, we're th- we're two and a half minutes into three minutes of stoppage time. Like, I mean, even with the the fake injury time, it's like no way, man. There's no possible way. And I was sitting with Kevin from PRFC Fan Show and uh, Eleven Rising JP from uh, who's who's known as Eleven Rising. And when that happened, we just lost our brains. Yeah, I mean, just incredible. I mean, tired is Kyle leaving supporter section early with the last five minutes of the match. Wired <laughs> is sticking around and then hanging out with Vibber and uh, Joey Farrell coming by and saying what's up. And we got to trust the process and have some fun up there after the goals and after a big win. And Kyle missed out on it because he left. Hey, when your girlfriend says we're leaving, you're leaving, Dom. You're engaged. <laughs> you should know that. Ah, oh, geez. Aaron should know that, too. Yeah, because <laughs> my wife just gave me the 10-minute high sign. <laughs> only, only comment I have to add on this goal is that ball was placed so well. In lifetime, you don't really see that because you just see the ball go in, and it's crazy. But you look at that replay, their keeper, Ivasic, did a good job. I mean, there wasn't a lot of space between his palm and the post, and Dia put it in perfectly where uh, the keeper couldn't make the save. So I just want to shout out Dia because that was pinpoint perfect accuracy, and we needed him to lift us. You know, that I I put that... I give credit on that goal, besides for the Dia, but to Peter Ramage, um, because he was in the right position. uh, Just flat out, Dia out-jumped the guy. Um, I watch in the pregame, the pregame warm-ups, and they work on this stuff constantly. And uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Yep. So... We would usually end the game recap right there, but there's still another goal to talk about. Um, surprisingly, the ref didn't blow the whistle right when Zach Lubin sent a goal kick forward, and everyone's really happy he didn't because the ball goes forward. Adam John beats Max Ornstill, the Timbers defender, and Ornstill just out of frustration shoves him in the back. I mean, there's John doesn't really have it clear on goal at all. Ornstill's just pissed off, you know, just conceding the go-ahead goal. And he just shoves them. It's clear as day. Um, now here's a part where we should debate before you go, Aaron. Who deserves to take this penalty? Kyle, why don't you go first? Yeah, we talked about it. I mean, you know, you have Dia on a hat trick. He just, you know, got you the game winner. But uh, I, I still have to say, for me, it is Asante because he is in the Golden Boot race. He is your captain. And he, you know, he's been clinical at penalties lately. Um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we brought it up on another day. If you're up maybe a, a couple goals, uh, you let Dia take that. But when you only have a one-goal lead, you know, there's still a – you never know when the ref's going to blow this whistle. Still could be a few kicks left. For me, the captain takes it. And, I mean, really what solidifies it is just the golden boot, and he converts it, and now he's leading the golden boot race. So for me, it's got to be Asante. And that's where I'm going to disagree. I, I think it's got to be Dia. The, the, first of all, he, he's already on a brace. So he, he's coming up uh, for a hat trick. He put the team on his shoulders uh, once where he makes just a, a, an absolute ridiculous play to get around. I mean, where, where he's basically showing he's a forward to score. 
score a go-ahead goal or to score a tying goal. Then he makes another play where he he's in great position, out jumps the guy to score the game game winning goal. I mean, a captain should should recognize that this is a guy who's gone above and beyond for his team, um, and that you have a whole rest half a season for the Golden Boot race and still has plenty of opportunity. Now, if this was the case where Asante had not yet scored and we were looking and we were up against this like consecutive goals record uh, to uh, breaking Dan Kelly's consecutive consecutive game records with a goal, uh, then, you know, maybe I'd understand a little bit more. But Asante already had his goal. Asante leads the league in goals. He leads the league in assists. Give your defender some love, man. I mean, I, I, I think as a leader and as a captain, that that's something that Asante should have just uh, owed to Dia. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like really pull a wild card on both you guys and say there was a strong argument for Adam John to take that. Adam pick. John, <laughs> because he, I knew you were gonna say Adam John. <laughs> I mean, the dude, he earned it. The dude earns the penalty. He's made his penalty kicks. I mean, he stole the keeper's soul that one game. And uh, he hadn't scored in this match. Asante's already scored. Diaz already got his. John was very unlucky not to score earlier. I mean, there's an argument for him, too. Now, I don't think it's one of those things where it matters too much because you already have the win. Um, And it's one of those situations where if you have that goal scorer and they have that goal-scoring mentality, and you got those brass balls, and that guy takes the ball, you're not really in the mood to argue with that guy. You know, it's it's kind of that Mamba mentality, or that Cristiano Ronaldo, like, all right, no one's taking the ball from Ronaldo when he wants to take a penalty. He's You're going to let him take that penalty, you know? Asante is that man for our team. Um, and no one wants to get on his bad side, so... I would have liked to see Dia or John take it, but I also don't have any issue with Asante taking it, especially when he's in the form that he's in. You know, if getting a brace is what keeps him in a good mood, keeps him fired up, let him take it. And it ended up going in, too, so... I mean, barely. That was kind of freaked me out when it left his foot, but... I think if other teams are looking at the tonight, uh, last night's result uh, and seeing Fort, they're just they're just looking and saying this is Phoenix being Phoenix. Um, I think if they look at the actual gameplay, the resiliency of the team, uh, the gameplay, the uh, the the interplay between the uh, between the players in this ridiculous heat that we had, uh, I think they're scared. I think opposing teams and coaches should be scared of us. I mean, it's just crazy how good we are right now. Yeah. No, at, at home especially. Um, this For me, this was just a character-building match, like you said. I mean, really, I think a lot of lessons were learned, and we just showed the heart and tenacity that runs through this entire team, every single player. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I think every team right now looking at – you know, looking up at us on the table, they're all, uh, you know, shaking when they see us coming up on their match sheet. And this is, you hear the catchphrase, you got to make your own luck sometimes, or uh, luck favors the prepared, those kinds of things, without sounding like an old cliche. 
this was a match where fate was not on our side. You know, it was like the Colorado Springs, like a couple other early season matches. We were getting great chances, whether it was keeper making saves, guys hitting the post, all those unlucky things, all these things that were conspiring against us. And we could have put our heads down and said, dang, they scored their only two shots on target. We've had a million shots and we're down 2-1. This is tough. Maybe we'll just play for a draw, get out of here, regroup. We got two weeks. And these guys just say, no, we're going to make our own luck. We're going to fucking battle. And they did. And they just kept pushing. And they they made their own luck. You know, I've seen uh, Ramen Cole, who might be listening to this, uh, San Antonio fan, complain about how their team has had some bad luck this season. Maybe they have. But the great teams fight through that and find a way. And that's what we did. And that it's the most impressive result for me this season because Timbers 2 came to play and they, they put a good performance in. And we overcame it anyways. All right, so I got to bail because we have to go pick up my son who's been at away camp for the past two weeks. Uh, and if I don't get my butt over to the van, then my wife may not uh, return with either of my children um, ever again. Uh, but, you know, just a fantastic match. Uh, love it. I will uh, go ahead and drop the, the little birdie news about Kevon Lambert. Lambert may be getting called up to the U uh, to the Jamaica U23 World Cup qualifying team, uh, so we may have a couple games for him. But if he gets called up for the U23 World Cup, uh, then we're going to be out. Uh, we will not have him again for uh, for a reasonable stretch in the remainder of the season. So that is a possibility, uh, and uh, we'll have this out before the uh, Gold Cup match which is going to be on Tuesday. So if you're going to the Gold Cup match and you happen to see me sitting down uh, taking taking pictures, give me a holler and I'll try and get a shot of you in the crowd. And it's going to be Mexico versus Haiti. Fun little, uh, fun little note from last night right after our match ended. It was cool that they kept the TVs on uh, for that Mexico-Costa Rica penalty shootout. I was one right, of guys. several hundred there. But... All right, I'll All right, see Aaron. you guys later. Yep. See you, Aaron. So what are your thoughts, Kyle, on this win? Because this is just, it's hard to even explain how gutty this was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and I agree with you. I think this was our best performance of the season. I mean, you just have to look at it from, you know, the point of view that we were, we did lead for a short period. And then, you know, we're behind for, you know, good 20 minutes and then, you know, we're able to fight back and get a win against a team, you know, that was right below us in the table. We've talked about we haven't beaten the top teams, you know, that, or had great performances against the top teams this season. But, you know, this was that match that we absolutely did that. Um, I mean, it, it really was just a building block. I think this one especially is going to be a huge one, one that fans will absolutely remember, as you said, for a long, long, long time. Um, I mean, just... <laughs> great great match i mean it was just one of those that it sucks that we have two weeks off because this match just leaves you wanting more and you know being the winter in june and having the coyotes out there i think we earned quite a few more fans definitely um yeah good to good to shout out the coyotes um several of their players made appearances last night and uh, did some penalty kicks at halftime against brandon keniston by the way 
I was wondering why the keeper looked so good out there, and it was Brandon Keniston in that, um, our 17-year-old academy kid. Hinesterza, yeah, yeah. man, he's a he's a PK specialist in hockey, and he can do it on the pitch too. He was by far the best taker. Uh, he was three for three. He made all all of them, and uh, yeah, no, Keniston, you know, he looked solid in that too. And I think if if Haller had been in net instead of you know Keniston, that maybe the Bulls were able to score a few more. But uh, that was not the case. Yep. So. Yeah, Kennison doing a good job out there. But it was it was fun to see the Coyotes out supporting us. Um, good to see Howler making an, an appearance. And, man, those Kachina warm-up kits were nice. So if yeah, you, yeah. If you haven't seen those, I mean, they've been around a lot. But if you haven't seen it, check it out. Buy it if you're interested. It's it's pretty cool. And it's cheaper than a hockey, uh, a whole hockey sweater. So you can always wear that to a Yotes game. Well, and exactly for me, I think it's a great idea. You know, being here in the valley, it's too hot to wear a hockey jersey a lot of the time. So being able to have that crossover, you know, it's a great, great little opportunity to be able to pick that up for the Coyotes fan. Definitely. So that, I mean, I think that basically does it for the match yesterday. I mean, super, super impressive. Do you want to get to team news now? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So the biggest thing is that Solomon Asante was officially recognized as USL Player of the Month for the month of June. Um, Shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. I need to go look at his actual numbers for the month of June, but I want to say something like six goals and three assists. Like, it is, I mean, unbelievable. I'm going to the USL Championship website right now just to get some verification on that. But, I mean, and then you throw in the penalties from yesterday. I mean, ridiculous. What are your thoughts on Solo being uh, player of the month? Yeah, for me, I mean, he has to be. I mean, he really has showed up huge this past month. And, I mean, everyone can see it's had a direct effect on Rising's performances and, you know, us being able to put together eight straight wins. You know, just just crazy numbers right now that not only Asante's putting up, but Rising. But I really think it's all a result of our captain, Solo. Uh, Yeah, I mean, just, just off the wall, I think that, you know, he's just come back with this fire, um, since he came back from Africa from his father's, you know, funeral. And it, it really is just, it's it's awesome to see this right now. And you have to, you know, get out there and vote because I think that there's just no way that Asante can't win Player of the Month. Well, no, he actually, um, Player of the Month is not voted on. What What is there? Well, hang on, let's see. Okay, he was he was Player of the Week last week. Okay, yeah. Um, was he named player of the month yet? I guess the month isn't over, so that I, I, I yeah, I was thinking that would be like next week they would have that. Okay. So he was player of the week. Um I mean, he's been getting at least honorable mention almost every week this month. And you can what you can vote for is the mid-season awards. Asante is up among the nominees for most valuable player of the first half of our season. Rick Schantz is also a nominee for coach of the midseason. And there's another person available for a different award. 
I think is Zach Lubin in there? Yes, I think Lubin he should for, be for Lubin yeah. for keeper. And uh, I'll get you those percentages right now. Right now, Zach Lubin is in second place with 24% of the vote. These votes will go until July 3rd. So if you're listening, you still have a chance to vote um, up until 9 a.m. on Wednesday, July 3rd. So if you're listening and that hasn't happened yet, get on there and vote, vote, vote up until the end. Rick Schantz for Coach of the Year is in second place as well behind New Mexico United, Trey Lassane, narratives and whatnot. Uh, that's a popular choice. We don't have defender or young player nominations, but we do have MVP, and Solo Asante is in the race for MVP, and right now he is in second place. Again, it's just New Mexico people voting for Kavan, who, granted, is is ridiculous. And yeah. What's crazy, 73% of the USL most valuable player vote is split between two players that started for us in the USL Cup last year. The final. It, it, yeah, and that's one thing I was going to say. It's 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 crazy um, when you see that, you know, yeah, both of those guys are up for, you know, most valuable player. And I really think, you know, Freider, he has had an unreal season, and, and he's absolutely earned this nomination. But, you know, we're all still homers and are going to push for Asante. But, I mean, you, you brought up, you know, New Mexico having, you know, both, you know, most valuable player and their coach. I think, you know, that's that's really just shown, you know, the development of New Mexico and how they've come in so strong this season. And, you know, they've been consistent. Um, and just to be able to do what they do, you know, make it this far in the Open Cup and not only that, but perform in the league as well, being an expansion side. I mean, it is impressive. But, uh, yeah, I mean, fans need to get out there and, and push and vote rising because, uh, I mean, all these guys deserve to win their categories, I feel. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not even being a homer on this. I do feel pretty strongly like there's an there's a legit argument with Shantz and Lassane for Coach of the Year, but it's them too above everyone else. And MVP, I think there's a legit argument with Kevon Freider versus Solo. But I think you look at Solo being more the full package. Not just the scoring goals, but also being involved in the buildup. Being the team captain. Whereas in New Mexico, you still have other influential players like Sandoval and Moore, who sometimes wear the captain's armband. Solo is the heart and soul of our team. And he's involved in everything. You know, he even presses on defense a lot. So, I, I would give the nod there. But in any case, vote, vote, vote for Lubin as well. Lubin has the best, um, well, entering last night's action, he had the best uh, goals against average per match. That's probably not the case after last night. But still, amazing season for him. Lots of clean sheets. Go vote. Uh, I think that's the big... I mean, the only other team news was Howell signing that contract with Tucson. He'll be going down sometimes. But I think we got that. Um, I mean, very briefly, just worth mentioning, there was an article that came out this week at Sports Illustrated that said Charlotte could be team number 30 for MLS and that they're further along than a lot of people think. Um, we're not going to dive into it much because not directly related to Rising's MLS bid and I think some of our audience is sick of us talking about MLS. 
But do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, I'm honestly sick of, of all these articles because it just seems like every two weeks it's another city that is in the running for for these few expansion spots. Um, you really just wonder who is it that's pushing all this out and they're, they're just trying to build interest or or what because it, it's it's just everyone's opinion like you said um, it, it's all speculation right now I mean there's definitely an opportunity in Charlotte but there's an opportunity in 10 other cities for an MLS expansion right now so it, yeah I mean it's it's nothing that new for me um, the bigger news that I think it happened two weeks ago but the San Diego, um, side coming into USL, I think that is, for me that's so exciting. I think having San Diego in in the league is going to be fun. It's going to be a great road trip, and it, you know I'll really look to uh, to watch them you know closely because I think ha- having Landon Donovan part of the organization, they could do some great things. Yeah, and one thing that we did cover, we didn't cover that too much, but uh, they will be playing in Torero Stadium, the USD Soccer and Football Complex seats 6,000 so it looks like they'll have some pretty healthy attendance and I think that's going to be a city that really takes to soccer I think they're going to thrive there um, and I'm I'm wondering if they're going to have to go to a bigger venue than that after the initial season but good good to see them uh, finding a home and it'll be a fun road trip for us hopefully starting next year I think there's still questions will they start in 2020 or the following year yeah i read it's up in the air right now i heard definitely 21 but there's a possibility they come in 2020 so we'll see yeah all right so i think that's it for team news and uh and league news um i think one thing that was circling around was that freighter won't play in the open cup but that's that's still a couple weeks away and it's also new mexico so who cares <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I'm happy to see him get there. Um, I'll be more happy, you know, when it starts affecting their league performances as it looks like it has. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you root for him as, you know, a USL side, but as who cares, they're New Mexico. They're one of our rivals now, so uh, not too much love for them. Well, let's get to USL scores around the league because this was a busy week with a lot of interesting stuff going on in USL. On Wednesday, Portland Timbers played. Um, they had to play, you know, and I think this was a huge factor in us getting the win at the end. I'm sure they were exhausted after a tough match with Reno, which finished 2-1 to the visitors. Um, Timbers, too, had the lead in this match from Brian Hurtado, who scored two goals this week. He also scored against us. But then Reno with a couple quick strikes, 60th minute, and then Seth Kasipli in the 62nd, that put them up 2-1. They got a big win there, propelled them into the hunt for the top spots in the West. Um, San Antonio and El Paso have a nil-nil draw on Wednesday. Kind of a disappointing result for El Paso, as they were a man ahead for the final 27 minutes. Jack Barnby getting a red card for San Antonio, but it finished nil-nil. And I think a lot of the talk was about how bad the field was in San Antonio. I do remember in the last couple of years, their grass has looked pretty bad when we've played there in the summer. So not surprising, but come on, guys. If we can have our grass looking good, you can do it. I don't know what that's about. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you just expect better from San Antonio because they have, you know, a great facility there. I haven't seen it in person, but from the images I've seen, I mean, it looks very nice. And they don't, you know, share their stadium with the baseball team, so you expect them to be able to, yeah, upkeep that grass. Uh, the greenskeeper is going to have to get a talking to, I'd say. Definitely. Um, well, we moved to the games yesterday, and there was a lot of late drama in some of these matches. One match where there was no late drama. Austin bowled five, Colorado Springs zero. I mean, this isn't much of a shocker to anyone either. Um, you know, Austin all over this match. Andre Lima in the 13th and the 20th minutes. They're up 3-0 at halftime. Uh, they get another goal to make it four. And then an own goal to top things off in the 56th minute. So this is just a romp. Um, Austin all over this from start to finish. Biggest blowout of the week. I think in all of USL. Uh, Real. Yeah, it looks like. Yep. That. Yes, it was. Although not an MLS because Cincinnati <laughs> lost 7-1. to one. Um. We have oh, man. I feel so bad for Cincinnati at this point. I mean, you really do. It's like, it, yeah, man, I, yeah, I just feel terrible for their fans because, I mean, just so difficult. I mean, you love that your team, you know, regardless and that they're in the top division, but just, just these performances have just been atrocious from them. Yeah, it's it's been hard to watch, but very funny to watch if you're not an FCC supporter. Tulsa <laughs> getting an early lead over Real Monarchs, but it did not last very long. They fall 3-1. Um, this is actually that, that defender who got another goal for Tulsa. I think he's up to like 8 or 9 on the season. He had a huge start to the year um, to Costa, but Monarchs comes back. And suddenly Monarchs is on the fringes of the playoffs after they were pretty far down there. I mean, they've beaten a couple bad teams, but you got to play the teams that you're drawn against, and they've they've done a good job. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say three straight wins, and you know they're one point out of playoffs behind Vegas with two matches in hand. So they're right there. They're definitely getting the work done now. Um, next match we go to is Fresno El Paso. This was definitely a anticipated match. Playoff seating is on the line, and it was nil nil for most of it. But then Fresno you know, finally overcame El Paso's defensive resistance with three goals in the final 30 minutes. Jackson coming back from injury to score his first goal and the team's first goal. And then uh, Kudus Lawal with a late brace to give Fresno a 3-0 win. And Fresno all of a sudden is, I want to say, either third. second or third. No, they're third. They're third, Reno but they second. have a match in hand on Reno, so they could they could be up to second this time next week. They were in a bit of a cold play? stretch, but they've been back on it. Yeah, yeah. Two draws and two wins in their last four, so. And I think those are two consecutive wins because they beat San Antonio last week. <clears throat> yeah, that's correct. Um, so good to see for them. Other matches... Reno gets a big 2-0 win over their hated rivals, Sac Republic. Raul Mendiola in the 35th minute, Sergio Rivas in the 60th. And uh, 
you know, it's weird because usually the away teams do well in this matchup, but this time Reno just controls it and wins the season series 6-1 on aggregate. I mean, you can throw Sacramento's one goal win in the Open Cup in there, but in USL play, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, no, especially, you know, for Sacramento against a rival like Reno. Um, I mean, just, yeah, they got worked, and it shows. Um, keeping on the topic of, well, maybe not an embarrassing loss, but a very <laughs> a very interesting one. No, I'm, you know which one I'm talking about. I'm saving that one for last. I know where you're going, but, yeah. I'm <laughs> Las Vegas Lights, zero OKC Energy, one. This is a big win for OKC. They've been on a long winless streak. Um, I think their first win since April 13th, as we mentioned last episode. Um, Vegas hit a crossbar in this match. They could have gone ahead in the second half. And OKC made them pay. Deshaun Brown gets on the board in the 89th minute. Just does enough to uh, get on the end of a cross. And the ball trickles over the line. But a win's a win. And that's a huge three points for OKC. They move solidly into the top eight in the Western Conference. Any thoughts on this one? I mean, I'm just looking right now. Um, Vegas had 19 shots. Only three were on target for a 15.8 shooting accuracy. So, I mean, just just poor night. They just did not get it done. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they gave it up late, too. Deshaun Brown in the 89th minute. Um Heartbreaking for the Vegas fans, that's that's for sure. And yeah, OKC's starting to pick it up. Um, I, you know, they're definitely going to be in that playoff chase when it comes down to it. Yep, in um, I mean, a potential wild card playoff matchup. I mean, you could see both those teams in that seven to ten range when it's all said and done. I think I had yeah. them fifth and sixth. They maybe could get up there, but but we'll see. Um. All right, now you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. No, but I know. <laughs> the best this, for last. <laughs> this is great. This is awesome. Los Dos goes on the road to Orange County and wins 2-1. Um, and this is with Michael Orozco in the starting 11 for OC. I mean... What do you think oh. of when you hear that scoreline? Uh, it just brings a smile to my face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is, you know, very surprising. Um, I mean, it, it's just this Lostos team, you know, they're not they're not scrubs this year at all. But, I mean, just at home, you expect OC to be able to get the business done. And uh, when I look at, you know, when the goals were scored, that's what really, you know, Gives me some joy. Yeah, it's a... Los Dos goes ahead from Frank Manuel Lopez in the 47th minute. Vinicius ties it kind of on a cross, a scramble play for OC in the 54th. And then things are going down to the wire. Um, A couple big saves by the keepers on both sides. Um, And then the 86th minute, Frank Manuel Lopez scores, giving Los Dos the win putting them solidly in the top 10 spots. And I'm looking at how this goal comes about, and it's just an atrocious defensive error um, for Orange County that leads to Los Dos coming the other way and putting the ball in. 
I mean, absolutely shambolic. I think it was Leonardo on both goals that looked really bad, um, not Orozco. But I'm going to look at the replay here. No, that was... Oh, oh boy, that's... Oh, oh man. <laughs> that might have actually been uh, Trotter, but yeah, just absolutely atrocious. And Orange County's had a few of those this season. Um, beating themselves, really. So 2-1 win for Los Dos. And uh, they're they're kind of looking like the Joe Biden of the USL Western Conference, you know, expected to be the favorites, and it's been hard to watch. <laughs> That's a great comparison. Yeah, no, I mean, it just, yeah. Yeah, you, you really feel for him, and yet terrible giveaway. I'm just trying to see again who that was. I think that was... I think it was Trotter. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, just... Ugh, just absolutely just crazy that this is going on in OC. I mean, you know, to have these results happen occasionally, you know, that's one thing, but they've lost three straight, um, haven't, you know, gotten a result since June 8th. It's just, it's a difficult month of June for them, and they're going to want to, you know put it in the rear view and hope that july brings brings something better um because i mean it to be in 14th place right now you know it, coming to that halfway point in the season you know that's just insane i mean and if you had told me that orange county would be at 19 points halfway through this season they have 1.12 points per game yeah yeah that's... 19 from 17 i mean it just just with a negative three goal differential that that too is a big surprise for me because they've always been, you know, pretty stout defensively and negative three goal differential, just, uh, just crazy. And what's even most amazing is, I mean, what, like seven weeks ago, they were ahead of us in the table. Yeah, no, I, and that exactly, it's been a, it's been a quick drop for them that they've just, you know, came flying down and, um, I mean, given at that point, you know, we had had a million ties or draws and not, you know, many wins, but uh, but still, I mean, it, it's, you know, completely, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum as far as their form versus our form. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. But let's run down the standings and then wrap things up with final thoughts uh, so we can get along with our days and revel in that win from last night. Uh, at the top, we got Phoenix with 35 points from 17 matches. This is officially the halfway point of the regular season. Um, I think I had them pegged for 69 points at the start of the year, and they're right about on pace. Nice. Uh, in second place, Reno with 29 points. In third place, Fresno with 28. They have a match in hand on Reno and on us. Uh, in fourth, Timbers 2 with 27 points. El Paso also with 27 points. In 6th with Austin Bold, they have 26 points. New Mexico United also 26 points. And, you know, all season long they've had these matches in hand. Now they don't, and they're down to a tie for 6th. They're technically in 7th place right now. That's how much this conference is, though. OKC in 8th with 25 points. Sac Republic in ninth with 23, and Vegas getting the nod over Los Dos. They're both on 22, but Vegas has one more win. Then in 12th, you got Monarchs, 
21 points, they've shot up the standings. They were down in 16th not long ago. RGV at 19 points. OC also on 19 points. San Antonio and Tulsa on 17 each. Colorado Springs with 14 and Tacoma with 10. Any thoughts there? I mean, just, you know, the two big surprises we've already talked about really being Orange County and, and San Antonio. But, I mean, this table, it's its so competitive. You know, you just you look from even – you can go down to Tulsa in 16th place with 17 points. You know, they're still not out of the playoff race yet. There's still a lot of the season left to be played. It is just such a tight table right now. The Western Conference is just it's, – it's insane. It's, it's making it so much fun because every week we're seeing so much movement. I mean – Portland Timbers lose last night, and they go from second to fourth place with that loss. Um, I think El Paso was in third, and they dropped to fifth as well. I mean, just a lot of movement every single match day. Yeah, and I think I think another thing that is worth keeping an eye on is now that the matches played are starting to even up, you know, you're starting to see teams move more than they were at the beginning. Like, New Mexico is a team that pops in my mind. Because all season yeah. long they had a match or two in hand on everyone, or they had a match or two more played than everyone else. So they they were like at the top of the standings, looked like they were rocking and rolling. But all along, teams had like a couple matches in hand on them, and you knew that was going to normalize. Now everyone's on seventeen, and they're down in seventh place. So this this Open Cup run, I think it's worth mentioning because a lot of fans. You give them the trade-off, and it's like, all right, whatever. We're still in third or fourth, and we're going to have a lot of the season. That's fine. But now they're down in seventh place, where they'd have to play a play-in game before the quarterfinals. Throw in the fact that Sacramento has two matches in hand still, and so does Real Monarchs. I mean, Sacramento will probably have more points in New Mexico when they finish those two matches. They'll at least be on 26th. So for New Mexico, I mean, yeah, they're right there. They could easily jump up to second. But they're an eighth-place team in the West. That feels weird to say, but the numbers say that it's true. If you're just looking at points per match. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, and I mean, both points. I mean, New Mexico, the Open Cup, I mean, I think there's no doubt that it's it's hurt them a little bit. All that travel... Um, and just the matches too. I mean, they've been going long and matches going to 120 plus penalties. I mean, it's, it's really put a strain on their on their squad. I think a squad that we kind of mentioned. You know, it's not the deepest in the USL Western Conference. You know, they have great talent, but they don't have it. I think throughout the 18. Um, I mean, it, it really has hurt them. And Sacramento, I think you know they do have two matches in hand, like you said, and. Um, I think that you know they are able to get something out of those matches, and it, it's it's definitely gonna hurt other teams, you know, like OKC, Austin, and in New Mexico as, as well. If if Sacramento is to get a result, um, I think they play they play Fresno on Wednesday, so that actually that'll be a really good match because at home Sacramento will need to pick up points, and for Fresno a chance to get in the second. Yeah, yeah. To jump to second and be, you know, they'll be on, at 31 points. Um, so only four points behind us on, on the same amount of games at 17 matches. So it would be, a, it'd be close. Yeah. So yeah, I think those are the biggest storylines is probably, um, 
you know, New Mexico kind of just falling to the pack. Still a lot of season left. I can't picture them missing the playoffs. But I think it's important because there's a national perception of them as being world beaters because of their hot start and because of their open cup success. But really, it's kind of like St. Louis. Like, they also had a hot start and open cup success. But they're also, like, lower in the standings in the playoff spots. So it's just important. It's important to think of them more as, like, a middle-of-the-pack team than this elite juggernaut at the top. I agree, I agree with you there. The one thing I will say is, looking, St. Louis has only played 13 matches. So they've got a lot of matches to play, so they still have a chance, I think. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, absolutely. I think New Mexico, you know, they've seen that, you know, kind of fall from grace. Um, and, and for me, I mean, one thing that they need to consider now where they're sitting in the table is you're outside of home field for playoffs. And, that you know, that's a huge thing, I think, especially especially for New Mexico, who has that big home field advantage. You know, they need to be, you know, in that top five. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, the second half should open things up for them a little bit. I, I'm Again, I'm sure that they'll make it, but yeah, will they make top four or even top six? I mean, it's it's a real question, especially with them really having a chance to beat Minnesota, and then you're talking about semifinals of the Open Cup. Now that you're this far in the cup, you got to go for it all. But that will also have other effects. So, anyways, I think we spent enough time on New Mexico, but it, it is interesting to see them down in seventh place, potentially could be down in eighth soon. Just worth noting. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it is. It's definitely, you know, one of the things to watch. Um, and, I mean, being, you know, a rising fan, and it's it's something that you know going into playoffs we definitely will have to keep our eyes out for for sure but those are a long way away <laughs> yes um well what we can do is move to closing thoughts i'm sure you got a lot of them after that incredible game so what are your closing thoughts yeah i mean just i i would have to say i think this now it seems like every week this team you know does something else but this probably is our you know maybe not best overall performance but the uh best result of the season so far um because it had everything you know go up or it was difficult to score early on um and then we you know end up getting the goal from asante getting the penalty and then and you know early into the second half we're down um and then just the emotions that we get when dia you know scores that a great header from Asante and then you know just the late game winners and uh in the in the coffin with the penalty um no yellows as well that, that's something that you know we didn't talk about but a big takeaway from this match for me was we didn't you know get any yellow cards that's huge that's something you know we keep our noses clean and keep ourselves away from the uh, accumulation suspensions um and I yeah I mean just just so awesome the one letdown for me is that, you know, we have two weeks off now from being able to watch this team because it seems like when we get into these stretches with more matches and less time that we were able to do something, you know, amazing. And it's just so fun to watch this team right now. I don't want it to stop. But, uh, you know, we got a tough road trip to RGV. I think, you know, there'll be, you know, an opponent that we need to look out for. But we'll talk about that next week. For sure. Um, in the meantime, Revel in this victory, we got two 
weeks to bask in the glory. Um, and now that we're six points clear atop the Western Conference, it's a great feeling. Um, so enjoy yourselves. Have a, have fun. You know, support the U.S. Women's National Team in the World Cup. Support the, uh, you know, whether it's U.S., Mexico, or even someone else, Jamaica, in the Gold Cup. Go support them. And, uh, yeah, just take care. Yeah, yeah. Have a great 4th of July, everyone. Absolutely. Um, stay safe, but have a good time. And enjoy the uprising. Uprising. The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. Thank <laughs> you.